Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. I've just noticed I dated this script March 2019. I'm still not used to writing 2020. Gosh, I remember as a boy, a teacher asked us to write what we thought we'd be doing as the year clocked over from 1999 to 2000. I think I put teacher or policeman. It's now 2020. Here I am, I suppose, a musician, radio producer, podcaster, pilgrim. What a world. What a wonderful world. This is a podcast about the Camino de Santiago, or the way of St. James. Those who walk the Camino undertake a pilgrimage. They walk in the footsteps of millions of pilgrims before them. The Camino is famous for the world over. Pilgrims talk of the simple life, leaving all the clutter behind and walking with just a change of clothes on your back. The most popular path is the Camino Francaise. It begins in saint jean pied de port in France and winds its way over the Pyrenees to Spain and Pamplona, then on to Burgos, Léon, and on to Santiago de Compostela. Pilgrims who walk at least 100 kilometres are entitled to a Compostela, a certificate issued by the Pilgrim's Office to decree that you have been absolved of sin. Some say it's a ticket to heaven. Others don't bother collecting their Compostela. To them, it's simply a piece of paper. To them, the pilgrimage is more important. Pilgrims carry what's called a credential and collect stamps along the way. When you get to Santiago de Compostela, you present the credential, which is a concertinaed card, to prove how far you have walked. Your credential is your passport to take with you. I have one of mine framed above my studio here. I'm looking at it now, and I can see the places I stayed in 2016. I can see places I stopped for meals. The final stamp is dated August 16, 2016, my 50th birthday. I walked the Camino to arrive in Santiago de Compostela on my 50th. It was the most fantastic adventure, a life-changing experience. And I often ask my guests if they have any advice for someone thinking about walking the Camino, and overwhelmingly they say, just do it. Well, I'll go one step further. Begin the journey today. There are more than 160 episodes of this podcast alone. There are books, websites, YouTube videos, blogs, you name it. And once you start, it can be very addictive. And that's its great allure. You're drawn to the energy of the experience, the energy of the Camino. You might feel like it's too great an adventure. Or you might feel like you simply don't have the time or the energy. Trust me, the Camino provides... I'm not suggesting you pack your bags and head off tomorrow, but do your research and do your training. Step out of your comfort zone into the world that awaits. The 13th century Persian poet and philosopher Rumi said, Do not feel lonely. The entire universe is inside you. My guest this week is the Irish pilgrim Tony Murray. He's on the line from Dublin. Welcome, pilgrim. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. I mentioned in the intro the Camino is a great way to face your fears, to step into the unknown, and you wrote to me to say you're about to walk your fourth Camino. You're both excited and apprehensive, but after three Caminos, are you not already seasoned? What have you got to be apprehensive about? Um, I think my biggest fear is that I will want to relive my previous Caminos. 
and that I won't accept that I'm on the Camino effectively for the first time and just soak it in. Um, and that kind of going back to recreate something that was so wonderful, you know, could spoil it. Now, last year when I went back, um, it felt oh, it felt like an old pair of slippers. It felt like a glove that just fitted in and said, oh, I'm home. It's, it's just wonderful. And I walked alone for the first day. Uh, so I picked up of my second, uh, well, it's my third, but my first one was cycling. We'll talk about that later. Mm. So I picked it up in Logorno and walked to Ventoso and walked on my own. And I had all the usual doubts about what am I doing here? Am I crazy? Will this be the same as last year? It was so wonderful the previous year. And I got to Ventoso in the rain in June and you really feel, oh, no. So eventually uh, ate on my own. And the next morning, I'm getting up out of bed and this Irishman, who I didn't know was Irish at the time, jumped up out of bed and he put on a sport shirt. Now, it's a Donegal, which is a county in Ireland. And um, so in Ireland, if we have Irish listeners, we know we wear like our county jerseys. Yeah. Uh, so it would be sports. So he put it on and said, oh, geez, you're from Donegal. What? <laughs> And, of course, that was it. We were cemented. We were lifelong friends. He's actually stayed in my house twice since. And um, so it just it just picked up and we walked together for two weeks and we became an instant Camino family with other people he had met. Uh, and some people dropped in, some people dropped out. So, I mean, my fear is, is that you want to go back uh, and recreate something that, you know, something magical. And you're kind of... I suppose you're kind of afraid you're going to be comparing, was this the same as last year? Was it better than mm. last year? Mm. My apprehension this year is that I'm going from Leon to Santiago and then on to Finisterre. And my apprehension is because I've done that section before on the bike and that uh, it's obviously busier once you get to um, uh, once you get to Saria. And a little bit apprehensive about that, whereas on the Meseta, you really are in sublime country you're on your own yeah. uh, just you know and oh, it's just amazing so all all of those fears but i have to say i'm incredibly excited <laughs> i said in the i said in the intro the camino provides an opportunity for perspective and you wrote to say to me the camino has always provided and never never disappoints what did you mean by that um it just always seems to just it like it's always a surprise. There's always something that happens that just out of the blue, you just wonder, where did that come from? Mm. And I suppose you're kind of walking and like I live in Dublin, you're walking to work, I walk to work. And, you know, it's kind of the same. Nobody looks, nobody talks. You know, it's just, I mean, that's just city life. You couldn't have the same interactions walking to work as you can on the Camino. And you just meet people, something happens, you see something and every twist and turn, you can really, you never say one day is the same as the next. Something happens and usually I have to say it's a conversation with somebody. And I think the level of interaction with people is so deep that it actually brings stuff out in you as well. Uh, so you're saying things, you're opening up to people who you might meet maybe it just like once again or never meet again but you just have that like connection so I think that's the real surprise that you're meeting people I mean I was one of my most sublime experiences was I was in an albergue which was a Donativo and we were sitting out 
having uh, in Tos Santos and we're sitting out having our dinner. There was one pilgrim from Japan who had no English. The hospitaleros were Spanish. They had a little bit of English. <laughs> I have no Spanish and no Japanese, but we had an amazing conversation. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. That's so fantastic. You say being from Ireland, the Camino is never far from conversation as almost everyone living there has either done it or knows someone who has done it or is planning to do it. Why yes. is that? Why is that, do you think? Well, we have a strong tradition in Ireland um, of the idea of penance and pilgrimage. This is obviously Lent now we're making this. Mm. So there's a strong tradition um, of that. I think also as well there was a strong tradition in Ireland which we kind of knew about uh, of Irish people um, who were doing it well. Celts were doing it for so long, you know. So so it's in our DNA, I think. It's also very easy to get to. I mean, you're Australia, so it's a big undertaking, whereas I can be down uh, in Bilbao in an hour and a half. Oh, wow. Like that's, really, that's really on our doorstep, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I can go, my wife, so this year, for instance, my wife is going to meet me um, in Santiago uh, because she hasn't done it. And we're spending the weekend in Santiago. So, I mean, you know, that makes it very local. But I think it's probably the religious background that we have in Ireland. So we're used to doing, uh, there is there is a holy mountain in Ireland, Crow Patrick, which thousands of people do on the last Sunday of July. Uh, there's other pilgrimages that people would have gone on. So even despite that Ireland has become increasingly secular, there's still this connection with climbing Crow Patrick uh, and doing the command uh, and doing the Camino. So in the housing estate where I live, there's 140 houses. It's a very small, and five people in our housing estate have done the Camino. All right. Oh, interesting. So when you meet in the shops, you know, we have local shops. When you meet, it's, you know, oh, oh, you're going this year. Where did you, you know? So we have, have actually Camino conversations, buying milk and bread for the breakfast <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> uh, so, but I wear a pin. You know the yellow arrow that you see everywhere? Of course, of course. you know the yellow arrow yeah. that you see everywhere. Well, I bought some of those badges, the pins, and I have it on my coat. It's amazing how many people. It's like an opener. Uh, so people say, what's that badge? And I said, well, that's, oh, oh, yeah, I've always wanted to do the Camino. Or people who've done it and they kind of just like, smirk at you and say, one Camino. And say, oh, you've been, yeah, 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 where were you? And, I mean, I'm having coffee and an hour and a half later you think, I'd better go to work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how lovely. But the only downside, the only downside of that is my poor wife often talks, oh, no, Camino bore, you know, <laughs> if... So if you haven't been on the Camino, she's heard all the stories, she's heard about all the excitement, and uh, so she has to do it sometime, you know, just to kind of, um, just really like to get it. That's why she's coming to Santiago, to get some sense of what it's like. The Camino eye roll. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me, let me put something to you. The Irish are famously Christian. Would you say they are also spiritual? If I can correct you on that, the Irish are famously Catholic. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, sure. Sure. Uh, sure. Maybe Christian is something we are very judgmental. Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure about Christian. Uh, and I don't think we do forgiveness very well. Um, <laughs> yes, I think we probably are spiritual from the point of view that um, I would actually define myself, and this came up on the Camino, I'm actually a Catholic atheist. 
So, uh, wait, wait, so a minute, I, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, go, go ahead, go on. You're a Catholic atheist. Yeah, I have no belief. I genuinely have no belief in a God or in an afterlife. So the question is, why am I doing the Camino? And I'm a choral singer. So why, why, when, or why, when I'm on the Camino, do I sing in most of the churches I visit? I sing uh, a song by Buckner. Uh, it is called Locus Iste. And I sing Bogoroditsu Dievo, which is a Russian version of the Hail Mary. So the question is, why do I do that? So I think there is something in Irish people that we are not as materialistic or something. I don't know what it is. I think we're searching for something. Um, I can't even say we're not as materialistic. That isn't true if you measure it scientifically, you know, if you actually measure it as a sociologist. But I think we are trying to connect with something else. And I think the issue in Ireland is because of the various abuses we had referenda, which were very divisive. A lot of people have fallen away from the church, but they're still looking for something. And I think it's something higher. And I think it's connection. Uh, I think it's meaning. Uh, I think it's a journey that we're trying to make. And I think really, so when you think about the Camino, um, it's non-judgmental. Uh, it's your Camino. You're not told what to do, how to think, all of those kind of things. But you can be spiritual without anybody leading or telling you it's right or wrong. So I think that's why it's so attractive to Irish people. Do you remember how you first heard about it, the Camino? Yes, it was a friend of my wife, Susan's. Uh, they actually are Irish, but they live in Canada. And they did it about 20 years ago. And I'd heard of it, but it was one of those things you kind of go, yeah, I've heard of it. And they, um, and so they did it from St. John to Santiago. And they were telling us stories about, and I couldn't get my head around. So you're walking and you don't know where you're staying and you get to an alberga and it's full and you think that's a good idea. Oh, okay. But it just seemed amazing. I yeah. mean, I was so envious the idea of it. And I have to say, like thousands of people, I saw the film The Way. Now, I really want to talk about The Way as a film because there's the danger about like, Camino snobs. And I think you may have met like Camino snobs. They're, and they often look down their nose uh, when you talk, uh, when you speak about that film. And it's, it's a fantasy, the film. But it's an amazing story of how a father actually dis actually discovers his son in debt. Mm. And that's really profound. There's a film called Missing, uh, which is the same story, but different setting. And fathers finding their son in debt is really tragic. So you have to die before the father gets to know his son was an adult and was an amazing person. Now, as a story, it is implausible. But it did. It's still, if you look at the way, it does give you a very good sense of the amazing landscape and of the fellowship and the enjoyment. Uh, so that was my first real experience. And then I decided I cycle a lot and I decided I wanted to cycle it, but I didn't want to cycle it on my own because it's a bit dangerous. I thought if I have an accident, fall off the bike on my own, don't speak Spanish. So I went with a very old, well, not a very old, but with a with a school friend. Yeah. We know each other from national school since we were about 10. Uh, we know each other. We're in our 60s now. And so he joined me and we cycled from, uh, we cycled from Leon to Santiago. 
Yeah, I'm going to get to that in a, in, a, in a minute because there's okay. a, gr- a great moment where you're at the top of a mountain and you, you both talk to one another and it's a beautiful thing. But before I get there, you are a fine art and documentary photographer and you're also a lecturer in media production at the Dublin Institute of Technology. Yes. Isn't this Camino thing a bit new agey for a bloke like you? <laughs> I'm a romantic. <laughs> uh, um, no, you see, I think we are so caught up. One of my problems about university uh, lecturing uh, is that we privilege critical thinking. And there's, you know, that's a good thing. But what we don't privilege is silence. We don't privilege creative thinking. And we don't really privilege reflection. Mm. And I think those things uh, are missing. So walking the Camino, and particularly the Meseta, is you have this amazing pattern of your feet just going crunch. And you'll appreciate it being a musician. Oh, I loved it. Just that rhythm of crunch, crunch, I loved crunch, it. crunch. I loved crunch. it so much. I loved and it. It just gets into your head. Oh. And so I think all of those things, uh, we are, <clears throat> excuse me, above all, we're human. And we've human needs. And so critical thinking, yes, it's good, but we have other needs. And we, yeah, we just have need, we need nourishment. It's the old kind of, the old Marxist thing was that what the workers need was bread and roses. It's very true. So I think in Ireland we have a lot of bread, but we need roses too. What What have you learned about yourself on this Camino journey? Um, I'm not sure I have learned an awful lot in one way. Um, I have certain problems with, I don't see the Camino as a kind of epiphany. Um, I think what I've learned is, is that I'm frail. Um, um, I think I've also learned that I do actually need people. Not in a needy way, but I need that kind of connection. Um, I think what I've learned about myself is that I'm probably a bit overjudgmental, which is probably why I've ended up in a lecture. Um, and the Camino just gives you time to reflect. I don't think you learn a huge amount in this amazing kind of, you know, a moment. I think all the stuff that you know about yourself just has time to come to the surface. It seeps out. And you have time to think. I don't think you learn anything new. I think it's there and it just rises to the surface. Because normally in your daily grind, you're just busy getting somewhere. You're busy, you know, correcting or whatever. So you just have that time for it. And I actually often just feel it rise to the surface and it's just let it go. So I think that's what it does. So I don't really, I don't think I've learned anything. I've just maybe let go of things rather than learned, if you understand my meaning. Yeah, of course. You also wrote to me, um, the people I have met have been the absolute joy and inspiration for my returning. The people. Yes. It's the people on the Camino, isn't it, Tony? Oh, it's just, um, on my first year walking, um, I, I stayed in Arason, um, and uh, so I was walking down the mountain. Uh, so we're walking down to Ron Savalas, which I wasn't staying in. 
And this woman caught up with me and we were talking. She's American. She had no sticks. It was very greasy on the stones. I said, here, take a stick. She said, no, 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 I'm fine. And of course, she slipped and fell. So I said, take a stick. Mm -hmm. So when we got to Orison, I had booked and I'd booked a meal. So I said, look, I'm not staying here tonight. I had decided to go on. I said, you can be Tony Murray for the night and you have a meal and it's on me. So she said, I said, yeah, look, it's fine. I'm walking on. She was probably in... Uh, her mid-twenties. So I said, look, it's fine. So I think a day later she caught up with me. So she joined or we became a Camino family. So now we had a young German uh, student just finished college, so I could have been teaching him, who had walked from Munich with a tent. Um, another guy from Germany uh, who had who had done it the year before was in love with his girlfriend in Germany and decided to go back to her. And I looked at him and I said, no, no. And he said, yeah, no. When he got back to Germany, she said, no. Um. <laughs> so great story. Uh, a guy from um, and a guy from Austria and then this American woman uh who had joined us and we became the Camino family for a week and we talked and we, it was just amazing. So one day we, she had read Ulysses. Now most Irish people haven't read Ulysses. I got to page 23 and just said, oh, life's too short. (laughs) And she really, really, uh, she was really knowledgeable about Irish politics, about Irish history, amazing education about American politics, just incredible girl. Mm. And because, of course, we had an Austrian, we had to talk about the sound of music. And um, he'd never seen it. So the two Germans, the older guy, Thiel, and I were singing some of the songs. And he was looking at us as though we two heads. No idea about the sound of music. And Amanda was her name. She would join in. She'd say a few things. And although you kind of go, you know. And every now and then, like, would come up and we'd sing. The only thing we all knew about was Monty Python. I'm a big Monty Python fan. <laughs> so, so we did know like, Monty Python. Um, so we were walking for a week, and I was only going to Ligonia. But the stop before Ligonia was Vienna, and we stayed in this amazing church. It was Donativa. There was a mass. It was just incredible. So Amanda and I went for a walk. And we had this really deep conversation. I was saying to her that at my stage of life at 63, I think it was 64, I'm looking back on life, but she's a young woman, so she's looking forward. So the Camino is quite different for her than it is for me. So I'm kind of in more a reflective mode and she's in more of a, I suppose in some way, like anticipatory mode. So I said to her, Amanda, what's your second name? Now, you being a musician, you're going to, she said, Von Trapp. And I said, you're joking. <laughs> no. <laughs> so we had been, I'll use the word bullshitting, about Sound of Music, and she's listening. She was actually a Van Trapp singers who sang with Pink Martini. She's a famous singer who's sung all over the world, including wow. Ireland. I mean, she's amazing. But she was Amanda walking the Camino. And I just thought, isn't she could have name dropped? And she said certain things along the way that she just let slip. She just let go. And I didn't pick it up. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I walked with Amanda Von Trapp, who was just Amanda, slept in the same room, ate the same food, shared whatever. And uh, she was just Amanda. And I thought that was so amazing. So last year, when I met a guy from Donegal, uh, he was part of a family, and I met Wanda. Wanda had that real Boston accent. 
Wanda is 83 and she had walked from Le Puy. <laughs> and I'm going to go, what? mother of God, 83 and walked from Le Puy. And we would stop every now and then for, you know, the usual, well, obviously yeah. like you stop for coffee and you just let the word, you know, yeah. you just talk. And she'd get up and she had this real Boston accent and she'd say, I'm not stopping. I'll get, you know, she said, like, I shouldn't mimic somebody, but she said, I'm going to go on. I'll get too stiff. And we'd say, we'll catch up with you. No, you won't. You won't. And she was gone like a greyhound. <laughs> so when we'd get to the, you know, our destination, she, I'm on my second glass of wine. What kept you? <laughs> That is fantastic. She's 83. 83. So when I was in Leon, I went to the tourist office because I was leaving. Now, I had been there before, but I knew where the bus station was. So I just went to the tourist information just to make sure it hadn't moved and all of that. And I got talking to an American. And, you know, the usual questions, where are you going, who are you with? And I mm. said, oh, I said, I'm with uh, this amazing American woman who's 83. And he said, are you with Wanda? No. <laughs> said, yeah. So her her fame had spread down along the line about this amazing and it was her fourth I think her fourth Camino and what a force of energy and what a wise woman a That's really fantastic. wise woman and her wisdom was just you know from living life and having many crosses and many yeah. Uh, many ups and downs, but she was so wise and so her fa her, like her most favorite line was, "You'll figure it out." <laughs> Everything was, "You'll figure it out." Yeah, that's great. Like, it, but I, I, I imagine, just in in respect of the, the the story you told earlier of being with Amanda Von Trapp, you were saying she was in her twenties. She's looking forward in anticipation. You're saying you're in your sixties and you're looking <clears> back. And yet here yes. is here is Wanda in her eighties, getting up and wandering, uh, wandering for. She's looking forward. Yes, and she walked from Le Puy to Santiago. That's amazing. I'm gonna have. To, I'm gonna find her. I'll find oh, her. Oh, I uh, well. <laughs> she'll Somehow. find you somewhere. <laughs> she'll find you. Yeah. No. 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 I can. Oh, she'll find you. Don't worry. And you are in for a hoot. <laughs> you, great. You, you can throw a stone from Spain to Ireland. And they're very different cultures, obviously, but but yet in some ways they're very similar. And one of the things that I love about walking in Spain is wandering into rural villages where um, things really haven't changed very much. Um, Not, I, no, I, I think I think they'd like to change. I think that they're, 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 there's a there's talk about the hollowing out of Spain, um, how yes. those regional. Um, Pueblos are, are are crumbling, um, crumbling towns. They talk about. Um, yes, and 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 I've actually, my family is from Nina in Tipperary. Um, that was my mother's family, and they're still there. Um, indeed, right. indeed, the the family home is still there with a dirt floor and and stuff. Um, but there are there are many many similarities between the two cultures. Yet, in many respects, they're sort of different. Did you get a sense um, in the, the the four Caminos or three Caminos that you 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 could see some similarities between the two cultures? Yeah, uh, like I'll tell the story a different way if you don't mind. Uh, as a student, uh, I went to America. Uh, it's called a J one visa. It's a particular visa that students are allowed to go to America and work for the summer. And 
I was completely shocked and traumatized by it because in my head, Americans speak English. So if I went to Australia, I would be, well, Australians speak English, so what's the problem? But when you go to Spain, of course, they speak Spanish. So I think you're psyched in a way to say it will be different. And then you realize, actually, our histories are quite different in one way, but they're very similar in others. Mm. We are culturally very, obviously, we would have a very Catholic background, so we understand that. Uh, we have both had recent civil wars, which were very traumatic for the country, and still the echoes of it are still there in both countries. Uh, as you know, you, you pass a monument where they discovered, I think, 200 dead bodies from the yes. Spanish Civil War, yes. you know, so it's yeah. very much, it's kind of there, it's never too far away. And I think as well, uh, they have a similar thing that probably a lot of rural people have, to be honest, is that they welcome the stranger. So I think if you go to Ireland, you know, it is welcoming. Now, it's not as welcoming as it was because of fear and, you know, but uh, I think they're very welcoming people. So I think they connect. And I think they're people of the land. And I think they are also people of the spirit. So I think all of those things are easy to connect with. Uh, so I found a lot of similarities in a way. I kept seeing my granny. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, the older woman, she reminded yeah. you know, you know, that's my granny going to 10 o'clock mass. Or that's my granny doing the shopping. And I remember my great grandmother and I definitely saw my great grandmother a, a lot. So there was that kind of similarity about it. Um, and I think also there's a huge amount of poverty, you know, I mean, yeah. richness and life for poverty. So uh, and that would be quite similar in Ireland, too. So now not uh, it has become less in Ireland. But I think, you know, uh, there's lots of connections. But I think at the bottom of one of the great things uh, really about the Camino is that you realize when you're walking, you're just walking with somebody and what they work at, where they're from, in some way, what their politics are, yeah. really isn't that important. You know, you're walking with people. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It doesn't matter. That's the great thing. That's the great thing. You know, you, you wrote to me to say that you're a father of a 37-year-old daughter with intellectual disability and it means you're always on. And the yes. Camino is your off or refresh button. Can, yes. I, can I ask you a, a very personal question? Does your daughter know that you're walking these Caminos? Not really. Now, she she looks over my shoulders at the various YouTube videos and the photographs and because some of the people have stayed here, two of the fellow pilgrims mm. have stayed here. Mm. Roman came from Vienna and stayed for a weekend. Um, she she kind of understands it, but she wouldn't get it, and she doesn't particularly like walking. Uh, she understands that I'm going somewhere, but no, it would be really beyond her comprehension. Uh, she would just see me as I'm going away. But your wife picks up the pieces and the extra work while you're gone. And you wrote yes. to me to, to say, my wife's fully supportive of the Camino journey, and that's the power of the way. Did you mean, what did you mean by that? Well, on the first year I went, I only went for, uh, or sorry, my second time. My first time was the cycle, which I don't really consider a Camino. But anyway, the first time I walked was from St. Jean to Ligornia a week. So we met people and people said, oh, you know, you did a Camino, da, 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 da. Would you go again? And I couldn't really say, oh, yeah, because it's it's really onerous on her. Yeah. And um, so I, I kind of said, well, it depends. And Susan piped up and said, yes, and you're going for two weeks next year. 
So she said that when I came back, I was present. Yeah. And she now she said you were quite down as well after the high of it, but she said you were present. And I went in June, so we just finished college. So I wasn't answering emails. I wasn't getting upset about results and about disagreements over dissertations and da 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 da. And she said I was present. So she feels now that I need it. No, she actually feels that she needs it because I need it and I'm more present when I've done it. Mm. The present is a gift. So, yes, yes, yes. So when, so in a way, if you kind of see it like squeezing out uh, a wet rag, uh, so I squeeze out all that stuff and when I come back, it's gone and now I'm in the moment. So uh, I think that's why she's supportive. But it's hugely, it's a major commitment for her. Yeah, yeah. You're a documentary photographer, as I said, and you photographed the various yes. shrines along the yes. Camino. Tell us about that aspect of the pilgrimage. What are you trying to capture, do you think? Well, um, I've been photographing in Ireland. I have a strange way of never answering your question, uh, Dan. So, but uh, <laughs> kind of like it's the Irish in me, you know. That's you've okay. asked me something else, and I'm going to tell you something else. But I will get back to it. It's a winding road. I have been photographing the secularisation of graves in Ireland. So, in um, so you find a lot of graves now that you have football memorabilia. Uh, you've John Wayne, The Simpsons, you've various things because people have become secular and they don't quite know how to how to memorialize the dead. And uh, so I'm fascinated by that. A lot of it is is very tacky and kitsch, but it's what people want to put on their graves. So you have to respect that. And then you go to the Camino and you find these little shrines. And they struck me as being medieval. So people would tie cloths, would leave little mementos, uh, would leave photographs, obviously. And being a photographer, you spend all your life thinking about the kind of sanctity of the image, the image, the image, the print quality, the pixel count. You know, you're looking at that level and, you know, people get excited about it. And now people leave photographs. And, of course, they weather with rain and sun and they break up. And what strikes you about the photographs when you look at them is that that photograph was taken in a moment usually of great happiness. You'll see weddings, you'll, you know, holidays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know that that person in the photograph is either sick or dead. And the photograph is now weathered, it's crumpled. Um, there may be message, you know, so it's really kind of degenerating. And you're kind of struck that I have pictures like that. And they're very happy pictures. And that picture could end up on the Camino because I love it so much. And it, I think it reminds you of how transient life is, um, how personal that people feel that they have to do this. And you might see the same photograph for maybe three or four days appearing. So somebody's brought five or six photographs and they have put them there. And I think it's a really... It's such a kind of um, a need to remember people and to leave it and to still like connect. But then coming along like me and photographing them is I think it reminds you of it really does actually image. I mean, you know, dust to dust and ashes to ashes. It, it makes you realize how transient the whole thing is. And those moments of great joy at weddings, christenings, whatever. Like, hold on to them because they don't last forever. And these photographs remind me of that. 
all the time. Bring that to the surface. Like, hold on to these moments. They just don't last. And one day, my picture will be on the Camino. And that's all that will be left of me is a picture, which will fade, break up, and eventually disappear. You wrote the photographs of loved ones now fading in the sun or damaged from the rain is to some Mm. degree a powerful metaphor for life in an age of secularization. It's interesting to see such devotion and ritual. And you have a new new book coming out later this year, um, Holy Pictures. And you sent me a digital copy in the last 24 hours and I flicked through it. Now, being a lifelong Catholic, a born and bred Catholic in country Australia, a lot of those pictures really, really resonated with me. Pictures, of course, pic- yes. Pictures of, of rosary and pic- pictures of masses. Um, yes. And, and a lot of that imagery to me is my childhood. It's part of who I am. It's part of my yes. psyche. Yes, yes, and, yes. And, and I had actually, before you sent me those pictures or, or the, the digital copy of the book, I had written here a question, how does religion fit in the Irish psyche in 2020. But having looked at your uh, the book that's coming out later this year, it struck me that the Camino is a chance for people to stay true to those principles while stepping away from the religion that we all now understand as so flawed. Yes. Yes, yes. I think, uh, like, I'm um, I'm very angry about what the church has done to itself. So I'm angry for people like my mother, who we buried just four years ago, who was a lifelong Catholic, um, who went to, you know, was very much believed. And at one stage during one of the referendum, constitutional referendum, she got up and walked out of mass. Now, this is a woman in her 60s. And... She had to walk out of mass in a small country town. Everybody knew her. And she made the argument that she said, I go to mass to pray and to find peace. And it's my relationship with God. I don't go there to be told by a man how to vote. (laughs) Wow. Great line. Great line. Yeah. yeah. And so I was angry for people like her. Um, And... um, In a way, when you look at those photographs taken in the 80s and you see a strong sense of purpose, of community, of belonging, unfortunately, you look at photographs now and there's an innocence about it. Mm. And uh, then we know the various abuses that have happened in Australia too, that have happened all over the world. And you feel, you know, it's... It's so sad and what's happened to children who are put in orphanages and the betrayal is just shocking. And then you go on the Camino and that, act, uh, so when I mentioned that Donativo and Tos Santos, when I was leaving the next morning, I said to the hospitalero, he had a bit of English, I said, that was probably the most profound religious experience I've had in my life because it was togetherness with no judgment. So I think, in, unfortunately, the Catholic Church in Ireland became so judgmental. It condemned people. It condemned certainly women. And I think there's an anger about that. But yet there's a strong belief that there's more than shopping in the shopping mall on Sunday. 
I mean, life has to be more than just like commercialism and the commodification of children, of even children before they're born, they're actually commodified. So that like commodification and you go on the Camino and there's very little commodification. And I think that's what I'm looking for and we're searching for in a sense. It's back to that spirit, but an anger at the betrayal of what has happened in the church. And with those photographs, you can see genuine devotion. Mm. And I'm not trying to make fun of those people. No. Uh, not trying to be critical of it. No, no, but no. Genuine devotion, yeah, genuine devotion. And at the back of the book, you would have seen there's an interview with me and I've used the colour photographs of the secularisation of graves. And you kind of go, God, we've lost an awful lot and I don't think we've replaced it with something that's any better. Yeah. It's probably, well, it's worse actually because it's crass commercialism. Uh, it's just like the commodification of debt. So really we're actually a potential customer before we're born and we're a potential customer in debt. And really the Camino strips a lot of that away. That's a very powerful point. Um, I have a very dear friend of mine, Sister Josephine, who has been a nun for, golly, 70 years perhaps, or maybe 60, certainly 60 years, and once upon a time used to teach 100 children at a time wearing a black habit from head to toes in 40-degree heat, 110-degree Fahrenheit heat, and was gave her entire life to the church, gave her entire being to the betterment of other people. The true true embodiment of religion. Yes, yes. And and to see what has happened around her just breaks my heart for her. Yes, yeah. For her. And and I think the principles of Christianity are the same, haven't changed. It's the, yes. it's the same thing. Yeah. You know, Christ taught a very simple message, really. Um, it just caught a, kind of got corporatized along the way. And yes, yes, it got caught up. Really, um, I mean, you could say men, and my mother always said men, not men in the in the generalized sense. Men, she used to say, fected up. <laughs> it was a great idea, but men fected up, uh, and it became a power. And yeah, I mean. I would disagree with you in a way that Christ taught a simple message. He actually taught a very, very difficult message. Now, it's a very it's a very short message, which I think is what you mean by simple, but it's a very difficult message. Love your enemy as thyself. That is so, so, so hard to do. Forgiveness of yourself and of others is sure. so difficult. Sure. And that healing that the church should bring, unfortunately, it's brought the opposite for a lot of people. But again, healing, I think, is what people need. Mm. And um, so I think, again, going back to the Camino, that's what the Camino can do. It's like a deep massage of your soul. And that's where the healing comes. And the Camino provides a wonderful opportunity to do that. It does. Yeah. It, it certainly does. On your, yes. fir- on your first Camino, you cycled, as you said, with an old friend, and at the top of Osobrero, mm. you looked at each other and said, we're both in our early 60s, we have our health and our families, and our families still talk to us. To quote from the yes. life of Brian, and you mentioned that you're a Monty Python fam- fan, you lucky bastard. It's true, <laughs> isn't it? 
Well, actually, funny you said that because the name of the WhatsApp group with Amanda is called Lucky Bastards. So, yeah, we stood and, and we said, it doesn't, this is it. We're yeah. in our 60s. We haven't cycled up the up Kibera. We pushed the bikes up Oak Kibera, but we could do it. And we stood there and our families still talk to us and we know each other all our lives. We've seen together. We've worked in the same university. You kind of go, it really doesn't get any better than this. This is an incredible privilege. And then we got on the bikes and cycled off again. Mm. But it's one of those sublime moments that, yeah. that again, gratitude for being with each other. And uh, yeah, so, uh, but um uh, I suppose you can have those moments with old friends, you know, where you yeah. connect, where new people, it's a different experience. You meet them for a week and you know it's, or maybe five weeks if you're doing the whole lot, but it's a kind of different experience. But with somebody who, you know, all your life, uh, it's a, you know, it was an amazing shared moment, you know, it was beautiful. Yeah. And being a photographer and in particular, a, a do- documentary photographer, you, you're all about capturing a moment in time. And there's a great message in that, isn't there? Uh, especially in part of your journey, live in the now. Yes, yes, yeah. Now, one, um, I'm always asked, oh, are you documenting the, the Camino? My answer is usually no, that I, I, I don't think it can be documented um, in that simple way because I think it's it's a spirit and a head thing rather than a visual. I mean, we've seen thousands of photographs of the road and the dusty roads and all that, and that really is not documenting the Camino. So I'm all, you know, and I would say to people, if I was going to doctor the Camino, I would be working and I wouldn't be doing the Camino. I'd be documenting the Camino. And you can't walk the Camino uh, and do the way and work. No. Now, um, I actually think because I kind of knew this might come up because I sent you a copy of the book. And I actually actually think in one way that your podcasts are truer to the Camino than my photographs could ever be. Because in some way, it's so intangible what the Camino is. It doesn't make sense at all. And yet you have people, you know, dying to be on your podcast like I was. And I don't think you'd capture that in a photograph because it's not about a moment in time in some way. It's about a journey and it's very hard to capture that journey. I think they would be just become a bunch of photographs and without the spoken word. And um, so so like I think all those things are really important. Um, And I think even the hesitation uh, and people, when I have listened to so many of your podcasts and you will ask a question and I think you can hear them think and I think that's really important. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. That's a very lovely thing to say. I, I, I know you've got to get to work. I'm, I'm, it's early in the morning there in Dublin. I, I should have asked you earlier, do you ever get lost? Uh, in life or on the Camino? But both. Um, I'm constantly on a journey. There was a few things that um, I suppose when, you know, when I was so really, when we agreed to do this, uh, there was a few things um, you asked me about things to avoid or things to leave at home. Okay, right. You wrote to me and uh, I wrote down eight things 
And if you don't mind, can we go through those? Go right ahead. Of course. I'd love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have them in an order, but in some way, the order was me thinking out loud. The first thing I said, and these are things not to bring. Now, I'm always conscious about my advice is for me. It may not be for everybody. (laughs) Um, I said, don't bring a power pack. Okay. If you run out of power, it may be the Camino's way of saying unplug and be present. Uh, So walking poles, just a purely practical thing. I'm conscious about people traveling all over the world. I bought my walking poles in St. John Peter Poor for far less than it would have cost me to put in the hold of the airplane. So I bought a cheap pair and threw them away. Well, I didn't throw them away. I left them behind. So if you're looking at the cost maybe cheaper to buy in France than it is to put in the hold in the plane both ways, it can be so expensive to do that. Brilliant. Um, So a light, uh, a lot of people use the headlight uh, if they're getting up in the morning. I say, don't do it. A, it's really bad because your eyes are are actually, you know, but also walking in the dark, your eyes will, will get used to it. But you miss the most important part. That it's getting brighter. Now, the sun is nearly always behind you, but you're effectively walking into light. That's a really powerful metaphor. Yeah. Rather than have a headlamp. So your eyes will get used to it. You might get lost. It's another metaphor. Mm-hmm. But the light will will come up and you will find the way. But wearing the headlight is so aggravating because it's swinging around. And I think it's almost like visual noise. And I think we need peace in the morning, particularly in the morning, you need quietness. And the darkness, it won't be pitch dark, but it's darkish. If you're up at six, your eyes will, so your eyes will get used to it. Honestly, they will trust your eyes, but you're walking into light. And that's such a powerful metaphor. Books, um, I don't think you'll need them. They're heavy. Uh, I brought a Kindle with me and never opened it. Uh, I was too busy. I was too busy talking. Uh, A watch. I've seen people freak and get upset about their expensive watch. Don't bring it. Buy a four euro, one euro watch in a in a cheapy shop. You don't need it, but just don't bring expensive watches. I've seen people be paranoid about the watch. Leave it at home. And if you lose a cheapy watch, it might be a dollar, a euro, whatever. It's fine, fine. You know. So don't bring anything you really value. Headphones. I'm a. Um, I think wearing headphones on the Camino is telling other people, I don't want to connect. I think it's the strongest signal to people, I'm not interested in talking to you. Now, I'm old fashioned. I kind of think, and you're a musician, so you'd appreciate it. Walking and hearing, as we've said, your feet scrunch, scrunch. It's amazing. Hearing the wind, hearing the bird, listening. But I think silence is, above all, is what the Camino can give you. Although you're talking all the time. And if you're wearing headphones, I think it's really telling people, not interested, go away. Now, again, I don't want to be judgmental, but I would say to people, just consider it's, it's about an inward journey. And if you're listening to music, and I have a great story about music and judgment uh, also as well. The other thing that I think you need to leave at home is your judgment. Everyone has their own Camino. And I think that's really important. When I was in Arasan, we were up early next morning. We saw nothing. It was so misty. I, I, I saw absolutely nothing for two days. And in the meal in Arison, there was uh, an American guy with two daughters and he was uh, army. 
Okay, he had just come back from service and his two girls were probably teenagers. They clearly thought that being on the Camino was the worst experience of their life. <laughs> so the next morning we're walking over the Pyrenees and you're full of joy, you're full of everything. And they had a mobile, a Bluetooth speaker on their haversack and they were listening to rap music really loud. And it was awful. And I was really getting upset. And I was walking with an American woman who was really interesting. She was, or sorry, she was, she was from Holland. She had been a Quaker, but was gay. And eventually when her mother died, she came out. And of course, she was expelled from the church. So here she's doing the Camino. Amazing. Uh, and people were, really annoyed too. This. Uh, <laughs> people were really annoyed at this rap music, really annoyed. And it was so wrong. And I said, look, here's a man walking with his daughters. It's his Camino. If his only way to keep his daughters with him is to play rap music, why don't we stop and just let him go? Because I need to let this go. I'm too angry. I'm too full of judgment. Here's a man with his daughters who are probably struggling to build a relationship with them. If they want to play rap music, if that's his only way to keep them happy, we'll just sit down and have our lunch or just talk and just let it go. And it was a really profound moment for me where I stopped being judgmental because I could hear myself. How dare they? This is this is inappropriate. This is the Camino. So I think you have to leave your judgment behind. Well, if we could leave our judgment behind and not to judge and become a Camino snob. Oh, I carry my bag. Oh, they don't. Or they're tourists. Mm, yeah. Everybody has their own, has got their own Camino. My first Camino was cycling, so I wasn't a true pilgrim, but now I'm hopefully going back for my third one, walking. So I discovered what I wanted by cycling the Camino. So we shouldn't judge people. And finally, uh, my thing to leave at home is your ego, which is probably wrapped up in judgment. Nobody cares what you look like. Nobody really cares what you work at. They just want good company and kindness. So that ego thing of, um, and men do it quite a lot. You know, we announce ourselves, oh, I'm a lecturer, I'm a this, I'm a that. You know, our ego is really important. But on the Camino, it strips you of all that because you're Tony, you're walking, you have sore feet, you're hot, whatever. And, you know, can we just share some bread together? Yeah. Okay. And so I think your ego, I think it kind of strips you away of ego. And I think that's one of the great things about it, because if you're walking all day and, all, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, if your feet are sore, your feet are sore. Uh, Like if you're rich or poor, you know, it's all the same, you know. So it is a great leveler. But I think you have to be prepared for that as well. Um, and that's why I think the headphones, the, all of those things are all part, they're all linked in to some degree, you know, that you, so I would say, listen to the silence. And I know you had a great podcast if you, well, I, so I don't know when it was, it was a Canadian woman who said her one regret was she didn't bring good recording equipment. Well, that was, that was, um, very, very early on. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And she mentioned, yeah. And she said, you know, she recorded the sound and you said, what's your one regret? said, I didn't bring because the sounds, Mm. 
on the Camino. And that's not something you can photograph, yeah, you see. Yeah, it's Laurie, the yeah. sounds are just amazing. And yeah. the bells, sometimes you hear bells in the distance and the cowbells. I think she mentioned the cowbells as well. Yeah. I mean, all those things, if you're wearing headphones, you just, you know. Um, and then if you sing, you can hear yourself singing, all those kind of things, you know. So I, I think, you know, like I am old fashioned about headphones, you know, but I think it is. And you, um, and you asked me about tips as well. Everybody has got tips. And one of my, um, I have five tips that I think would be worthwhile sharing because when I share these with people on the Camino that hadn't thought about them, uh, one thing is don't shower in the morning. Never ever shower in the morning your feet will be softened and moist you won't dry them and you'll get blisters don't so so really don't shower in the morning a photograph or scan your documents so if you do lose them you have a record of them um uh, one thing i do with my camera because i bring a fairly expensive camera is the first i take a picture of my name my telephone number and my email address on the first frame. So if I leave my camera behind and somebody turns it on, they'll have a picture of who owns the camera. So yeah, you photograph a so you photograph a piece of paper with mm-hmm. your name and contact details, yep. and that's on your camera. Um, and the other one is air out your feet every time you stop for coffee, which will be a lot. Uh, air out your feet. Take your shoes and socks off and let your feet breathe. Dry your feet. That's the best way to avoid blisters. Mm. And when you finish walking, remember you're a marathon runner now. So stretch like a marathon runner because your body will thank you in the morning when you're not stiff and sore. So just a few stretches. Uh, and those kind of things will just keep you. You have to remember you're putting your body under enormous stress that really isn't used to walking every day. So you need to treat your body as though you're a marathon runner rather than just walking to the shops. Uh, but I think my strong advice of all of that is don't shower in the morning. It really is bad for your feet. So let your feet air out and be completely dry when you put your socks on. That, so not very profound, but uh, still. <laughs> but mind you, this is one of the things about this podcast, Tom. When you wrote to me initially and, and we were bouncing back and forth, I was thinking, oh, yeah, I don't know how this conversation will pan out i've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you uh i I think we have a a, a, probably a shared history in many respects um yes indeed you do your training around dublin bay i've been to dublin and i have walked around dublin bay and it was for me a boy from queensland in australia a dream come true because it's where my culture is from my history and i can picture you there and it reminded me, to be honest, to add Dublin to the list of places I must visit again before the diary clocks over to, who knows, 2030, 2040. <laughs> Goodness, the years are, are creeping up on us. Thanks so much yeah. for your time, Tony. I've, I've really enjoyed reflecting on your journey. And I know that someone who lives their life through a lens is always someone who treasures the view. Yes, Long may you look forward, walk forward, and tell all the stories to go with the images you create. Thank you so much for your time. Buen Camino. Buen Camino unto you as well. And listen, 
if you're in Dublin, uh, there's a bed here for you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tony. All the best. Bye-bye now. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Sloan. My guest this week was Tony Murray, a four-time pilgrim and Irishman. Tony's also fine art and documentary photographer and lecturer in media production at the Dublin Institute of Technology. You can find his work via tonymurray.ie. And his new book that he mentioned out later this year is called Holy Pictures. I've seen an online version and it's incredibly moving. The website again, tonymurray.ie. The 13th century Persian poet and philosopher Rumi said, Do not feel lonely. The entire universe is inside you. I've been playing a song from my new album each week and I'm currently in the United States playing a series of shows. Being a week-in, week-out musician is something I truly love. Makes me who I am. It's a unique experience that not many of us are lucky enough to sample. I play solo. These days, for 25 years, I played in bands. Weekend bands. And I wanted to write a song about playing in a weekend band that weekend bands would want to play. This is called Weekend Band. Thanks for your company this week. You can download my album from all music streaming sites. You can sponsor me too. Just go to danmullinsmusic.com or patreon.com forward slash danmullins. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Trouble